0: I believe thoroughly that one of the greatest joys in the heart of God is seeing his kids step into the family business and do what Beth just spoke about in that testimony you know I believe it lights him on absolute fire that in a proverbial way like (laughs) in excitement that he absolutely loves it and you know when we when we first moved here Well, actually, when we first visited here, um, we were actually engaged, me and Nicole, were. we've been married for almost 14 years now, but we were, um, I had dreams on back-to-back nights. One dream of the state of Texas, I was flying over the southeast and the state of Texas floated up off the map, like three dimensions, raised up and then raised back down. We're living in the mountains of North Carolina, have no tie to Texas at all. You know, I just think of like cowboys and tumbleweed, you know, cactuses probably, you know, and I don't know, George W., you know, I don't know about Texas that much, and, um, but I have this dream. Back-to-back nights, one of the Texas raising Up, the next one was somebody tattooing the state of Texas on my arm, and, um, which is not, I don't plan on making literal, so ease my mom's fears if she's listening to the podcast, like, here he goes again, you know. <laughs> but, um, but no, uh, but it was very strange and random. And so I remember I, I told my pastor at the time at the church I served at and went to and was very active in. And I was like, yo, hey, I had this back-to-back dreams of Texas. You know anything about that? About, you know, what, you know, and he's like, actually, I'm, I'm going to, I'm flying to Texas next month. Going to speak and do this, do a conference or something there. And um, he's like, you should just come with me. And I used to fly with him some places, you know, around been all around with him and and some other guys, and so I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go and kind of do the prophetic thing and, you know, whatever. So we came and visited a a little town of, uh, some of you know, called Lindale, Texas, which isn't too far from here, 25 minutes, 30 minutes away, and I, you know, I was, you know, it was a whole lot, you know, it wasn't a big deal, but I remember thinking like, yeah, this ain't going to work for me, you know, (laughs) hopefully, I'm not moving here, man, you know, no offense, it is a beautiful area now that I live here in Tyler, but You know, I just didn't feel that draw, that connection, you know, whatever. But one thing that happened, maybe too much information, one thing that happened while I was there was I had a vision that was like on repeat of the Lord Jesus being ecstatic, like exuberantly excited. And this isn't something that I, you know, I wasn't watching The Passion of the Christ, you know, or, you know, I don't know, there wasn't TV shows, people watch TV shows about Jesus these days, like, you know. I, I wasn't thinking this way. It was just constant. And he was rejoicing in a way that was so aggressive, but ex- with excitement, exuberant excitement is what I'd probably call it. And it was like somebody that hit hit the game-winning shot of like uh, a championship or a game-winning touchdown of a Super Bowl or something. It was just like, just so lit. And it just kept replaying over and over in my mind. And um, it's a strange picture to be coming to me um, but I, but it was, it was truly the joy of God, the joy of the Lord and seeing him in a way that I hadn't fully seen him, you know, we don't, you know, or at least I didn't think this way, but it was, it was the, the Luke ten twenty two when it says that he, he, he rejoiced in spirit, um, this, this ecstatic celebration, Luke 10, really is where it starts. It says that he rejoiced in spirit and he see And he's jumping around after that he had sent the 70 disciples out and they had returned or 72, depending on which uh, translation you use there. But there's something about the joy of the Lord that I really want to go into um, today because his joy and our joy is the same. And joy is like uh, is like utter fulfillment, you know, and it's something the whole world is looking into and even for me, it's not a way that I had seen him before, even in my life, that I had, that I had pictured him. But there's something Hebrews 1, eight says that he was anointed with the oil of gladness above all of his companions. You know? and, I, and I think sometimes, even for maybe for me in that time frame, when I would picture Jesus, and maybe you could re- relate... I guess I I think of God in the flesh as being pretty serious, you know, rebuking some Pharisees and and kind of being somewhat stern at times, but, you know, being gentle and nice somehow because he has to be. That's the fruit of his spirit. But the joy portion, I didn't really, I never really felt like I had a grid for that of him just being actually overtly happy. And when you see the 12 or him in the 12, the 70, whoever he's around, um, you can't identify him by the flesh, you know. Judas had to kiss him on the cheek because, you know, nobody could pick which one was the leader. He blended in so well. But maybe if you'd have looked for the happiest one, you would have been able to find him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's what the Bible says anyway. So, you know, he was he, above all of his brethren. So, it's, I mean, like they had fun with the guy. They enjoyed his presence. They had fun everywhere they went, even, even in the midst of some serious swirls they got into. And he was actually happy. <laughs> like, on the regular. Well, he was acquainted with many sorrows, You know, it's like, yeah, but he was also happier than everybody else in the world. And thinking of God as happy and where the source and root of his joy comes, actually, I believe, will unlock that same joy in us. Because if I wanted to just say what Jesus made so happy, it's like, it's, it's how much he loved each and every one of you it makes him so happy. Now, I will prove this scripturally, but but that's the reality of God's heart. Like, he rejoices over us with singing and dancing. You know, Zephaniah 3 says this, that he, he's like swirls and twirls violently around. It's, that's the fulfillment. You know, that Luke ten twenty one is the fulfillment of that prophecy in, in Zephaniah. Like, we, we see that's what he's like. He twirls around and freaks out like he won the Super Bowl over us. He rejoices over us. He's happy about us. He loves us like that. And like, he gets excited. This is the essence of what heaven feels like. You know, in my experience, it's like the, the heavenly experience is like stepping into a, a room or a building that's very crowded and everything stops and turns and rejoices that you're there. It's the exact opposite of feeling rejected or like, is it OK that I'm here? You know, sweating like a dirty person in church. You heard those type of sayings, you know what I'm saying? Like, do I belong here? You know, people that feel that way, you know, the, the heavenly vibe is the joy the, the rejoicing of the reality that you're here, that you're present, that you're valued, you know? And Jesus carried this with all of his guys. And there's just something in the world, like in the world and even in the church world, everybody's searching for happiness and fulfillment. And um, the question is, what's missing? Because when I look, look at the scripturally, even what manifested out of his disciples and what manifests out of us sometimes today, so many of our issues... And even our striving is, is to find our place in life. All of like the, even some of the yucky things, the ambition, competition, all of the identity issues that people deal with, um, trying to make a name for ourselves to feel accomplished or established or that we have a place or that we're valued. The reality is all of those things Jesus has covered in his acceptance of us. And the reality also is that, just like David found in Psalm 139, it's like Jesus has been so intentional. God was so intentional with creating you, knitting you together in your mother's womb, before time and space even. We were in him, Ephesians 1 says, before the foundations of the world. His intentional design of each and every one of us has such purpose and destiny in it. And it actually his purpose and his destiny for each one of us and each one of you, it actually hits to the very root of your DNA the very things that will make you come the most alive, that all the world is searching for, he's actually created us to find that fulfillment. And he's given us purpose and destiny in our lives that will actually unlock and will actually cause that stuff, that that stuff to, to flourish. He wants to unlock that very joy in every single one of us. And so I'm going to go back my, with my question being, what is it that made Jesus so happy? Why was he so happy all the time? And I'm going to do a, hopefully do it justice, and, 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 and I'm, I'm going to re- review some of Luke 9 that I taught about six months ago, but I think it's actually worth, worth doing today just to look into the reality, even thinking of Beth's testimony. I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't record that because I would love to put that on the podcast, but it's like even that reality of somebody stepping in with you know, you have a doctor and a surgeon that's going to make moves that are that are pretty powerful. But nobody nobody wielded a, a sword as powerful as that nurse B. That's Nurse Beth. Just just to catch the you know, as old Nurse B came in there, she wielded something that was more powerful than a cannon. That she set off through the generations of a family that said, Hey, by the way, God's good. Your son's with him. Hit the dad. Hit the mom. There's four other siblings. They've gone through, you know what I'm saying? You know, just just, uh, uh, more powerful than any surgery, you know. And, um, but anyhow, there's something to Jesus passing off power to his kids that caused them to wake up into who they were and who they really are. And that's our new covenant. Not only the covering and the redemption of what he's done for us, but his spirit being within us and us never being apart from him and his power flowing through us us stepping back into the reality of what we're created for to image him you know to set this place aright you know Jesus it says in Luke 9 it's it's in uh, Matthew 10 that he gives us, he gives his disciples power and authority over all demons he calls the 12 together and he gives them power and authority over all demons to do this miraculous stuff and the thing is, nobody really knows how he gave them this power and miraculous authority. But I have some theories myself, just being somewhat of a scholar. And, and um, you know, it doesn't say, I don't know if he, he put his hands on them or if he breathed on them in this position or, or, or how this worked. But he gives them power, authority, and he sends them out to preach the kingdom of God. I want you to go and I want you to announce the kingdom of another dimension that is coming into this world. An alien invasion. Let's make it fun. You know what I mean? Let's, it's like something so foreign that's coming into this world. And he gives them, you know, take nothing for your journey. nor, you know, uh, money. Uh, just take one outfit. You know, you guys can read Luke uh, 9 for yourselves because I, I don't want to really go into all that stuff. He sends them out with power. And when they come back, the 12 disciples, they're actually sharing with him what they did. But what... But what they did caused a regional shaking to the, to the point that King Herod, who was a very corrupt king of the Jews, I did, I did finger parentheses again if you're listening to this, the king of the Jews, Herod, became, was, was so territorially insecure that he thought, oh my gosh, what's happened? i got to meet this Jesus guy. Is this Jesus? Is it John the Baptist who's raised from the dead? You know, is this Elijah? Like, What's happening? I need to get a grip on this. The regional powers started to shake. The beacon of light started to be turned on what we sing about so power starts to go out this is before the new covenant by by the way you know what i mean this isn't this isn't these people have been redeemed and they have the holy spirit within them these people have been sent as ambassadors and they've been given authority to do these things like what does that actually mean i would pose that when he gives this authority to these 12 men standing in front of him There's a lot of other people standing around those 12 who are unseen. Yeah. The Lord of the angelic armies is is pronouncing authority over these 12, saying, you're the ambassadors of this kingdom in this invasion, and I'm giving you this authority. And all of his troops that surrounded them said, all right, we're going too. Because they came back and all their authority was flexed over the region. Just maybe put that in a just, a, just a thought. They come back, you know, he feeds thousands of people miraculously. Herod's shaking in his boots, in his, in his Armani boots because he was, you know, Herod. And all these different things are happening. Jesus takes James, John, and Peter up onto the mountain and, sh- and basically is revealed as who he is. There's an unveiling that Peter talks about in the books of Peter, 1 Peter and 2 Peter, especially in 1 Peter, where they hear the Abba, they hear Eternity's voice. This is my you know, son. Listen to him, you know, to Peter and James and John. And so that's a mind-blowing thing. But then as they're leaving, and before this stuff happens, we're getting to the Lord's joy But what happens is the disciples start to manifest such darkness in their hearts that it would make you think like, what is wrong with these guys? See, we think, you know, you've got to get all of your issues worked out, you know, first do a sabbatical, you know what I'm saying? Fast and pray for a long time to make sure you're not like in your flesh and, you know, do all these things in in such a way, get counseling for all your issues but Jesus gives power to these guys, and after they've manifested power and preached the kingdom and, and, and announced its coming, they come and manifest complete and total darkness on the regular. And this should make anybody feel good. In Luke 9.46, Jesus is like, hey, let, let these words sink down into your head, Luke 9.44. The Son of Man's about to be betrayed. So he's setting up his team that he's going to leave, but he's empowering them to take the torch. He gives these heartfelt words to him. It's like, I'm about to be betrayed. And the very first thing that they do is start to argue who's going to be the best out of us. You know, it says in Luke 40, uh, 9, 46, then a dispute rose among them as to which one of them was actually going to be the greatest. Nobody asked, what do you mean you're going to be betrayed? What's going to happen to you? No, we got your back. What, what can we do to avoid this? What, it's like, it's like in one ear and out the other. And it's just like, you know what I was speaking of betrayed, I was thinking, <laughs> which one of us is going to be the, the most in charge after you? You know? Because I, I think I probably should be, you know. And uh, so it says, Jesus perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and, and set it by himself. And it says, Hey, whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who's least among you will be great. Kind of stop arguing about who's the greatest. <laughs> Let's have a little rewiring of what humility looks like. Now John answered and said, which is, this is so strange. Master, we saw somebody casting out demons in your name and we forbade him because he doesn't follow with us. So how about this? They're arguing who's going to be the best, right? Right? Who's going to be the top dog and in charge to which Jesus is like, Hey, it's about humility. Whoever receives this child in my name, whoever's least among you will be the greatest. The servants are the greatest. And John's reaction to that is like, speaking of, speaking of the greatest, I saw somebody trying to cast out a demon down the road, but I made him stop doing it because he's not one of us because we're the greatest. And it's just like, dude, that's exactly, not, that's exactly not what I'm telling you right now. You know. So Jesus says to John, the most gentle and kind rebuke, hey, don't forbid him, he who's not with, against us is on our side. And you think like, man, that's, for, in our estimation, that's probably the most evil thing you could do. If you saw a demon getting cast out of somebody, And you went and intervened, and by intervened I mean you like made it stop and made the demon go back into the guy and tell the guy to leave the thing alone because he's not in your group. Anybody else think that's pretty that's a pretty dark way to, to roll? You know? So that's what's going on with the disciple that Jesus loves right here. Three years into his walk with Jesus. Holy mackerel. Mind you. In the same chapter, these are the guys who Jesus gave authority to go out and actually preach that the kingdom was here. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons, do these things and say that the kingdom is coming. These guys are just just been given heavenly machine guns to roll around with and this is the character or the character flaws that are coming out of their hearts. Don't. Don't forbid them, John. Okay, so four verses later, five. So he sent messengers before his face because they were on the way to Jerusalem during this little trip of the disciples uh, getting some lessons because he's on the way out. You know why he's going to Jerusalem. But there was a village of Samaritans, like we talked about last week, who had some racial tensions with the Jews. And... um, They actually refused to actually basically rent out a hotel to him because they were Jews. They did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said to the Lord, Hey, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume everybody there just as Elijah did? (laughs) It's just like, here you have, first, like, we're arguing who's going to be the best. Here's the example servant the least is the is the best it's not about being great you know you guys are kind of getting this a little bit twisted hey by the way i just made a demon that was getting cast out go back into a guy told the guy hey you're not on our level because we are the greatest and he's like hey listen that's not the way no that's a no-no don't do that you know that's not the way this works a little bit further down the road hey they don't want to oh they're not going to let us in because we're jews well i got an idea do you want to let us call the fire down. Let us call the fire. Like, hey, you gave us power to go announce the kingdom. You gave us power to go announce the kingdom. Heal the sick. Cleanse the electric. It was awesome. It, it happened. I can't believe it worked. Let us call some fire down like Elijah did on them. Like, hey, let's just kill them all, man. Let's shoot a fireball at them and kill them. It's just like deranged, racist, territorial, elite, and now murder coming out of their minds. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. And this is the rebuke of the Lord. You don't know what manner of spirit you're of. The son of man didn't come to destroy men's lives. He came to save them. (laughs) Like, hey, I gave you power to reverse the darkness, not to like rain down the darkness. (laughs) There's a lot of contemporary prophetic. Those other finger quotes. This is a very sarcastic quote. Prophetic people now that love to prophesy the rain down of darkness. And they all wrong, dead wrong. So there's that. But it's just like, guys. But he doesn't say, he does, he's not the accuser. He doesn't say, you're a spirit of death. You're a spirit of elitism. You're a spirit of competition. You've got ambition. What does he do? He brings a child and he gives the contrast like, hey, this is how we are. Yeah. You know. He says, hey, John, hey, John, those that weren't against us are actually with it. Same team, right? Casting a demon out? Yeah, that's a good thing. So same team, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Then his rebuke, like, hey, like, you don't know what spirit you're of. Like, he didn't tell him, like, y'all are of the devil, y'all are of the, the killer. He just tells him what? He's like, hey, but you don't know, what? No, like, I came to save and to give life, not to destroy. The power's about this. Now we're moving into the joy of the Lord. He has these three instances. And in the very next chapter, chapter 10, it says, after these things the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them out two by two before his face. Think about this. Most people in, in a, any type of leadership position in ministry would think, well, that was certainly a bad decision on my part. I empowered these guys. It went straight to their heads, and they went and did completely and totally ridiculous things on a basic, constant basis, and it, and it empowered them so much that they almost became Satan's fireball, flamethrowers, but he doesn't think like us. He was happy. There was joy in his heart, like, it's working. Like, dude, what do you mean it's working? You know, because the kingdom was actually released by them, and the darkness that was in their hearts came to the surface while they were walking with him. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's brilliant. If you look at the very end of Luke 9, people started coming and said, hey, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to be a part of what you're doing. And Jesus gives them more of a rebuke than he does to his disciples. Foxes have holes and birds, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his hand. I'm sorry, to lay his head. Because people were coming to him saying, hey, well, let me go bury my father first. Or let me go say goodbye to my family first. And and he comes to them and he says these things, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and preach the kingdom. No one putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. It's like he comes with so much more blunt, what we would consider like rebuke to people that are wishy-washy in their walk. That are inconsistent in their follow through of walking with the Lord. He comes with so much more heat to that than he does people that are walking with him manifesting murder in their heart. What is that about? You know. It's crazy. But these people were committed. The 12 were committed and they were walking with him. There was something to walking through your process of life and the things of your heart coming when you're walking with the Lord. You're in the safe place for that to manifest to him and it, for it to be dealt with in the contrast, you know. But the wishy-washiness, the inconsistent, he's like, no, you're going to, you guys will be destroyed if you try to go out and represent the kingdom. It will destroy you because you're half in and half out. After these things, in other words, he saw that as a good thing, (laughs) you know what I mean? The 12 coming back, like, this is what I want. You know, if I'm like on the council, I'm number 13, I'm like, dude, that's what you want? You're happy with that? You're going to pick 70? Don't you remember what happened last time? Like, kind of like turn those guys into monsters. And the reality is like, no, those guys were kind of monsters. (laughs) They had a monster mentality in the get-go, you know. But the more they've walked with me the more that stuff comes to the surface and they can actually see it in contrast to me and choose to like, okay, that's, oh, hey, this, you don't know what spirit you're of. I didn't come to do those dark things. Like, oh, that's right, we're not that way. That's what repentance looks like, guys. Seeing the contrast between who he is, the spirit that's given to lead us in all truth, not to, re, not to constantly rebuke us of sins, but to lead us in truth, seeing the contrast of the goodness of who our father is and that we're like him, you know. And they're starting to have joy. And they're starting to have passion in their hearts. So Jesus does it. He, he, he gives 70 more. And he tells them, he, the 70, and, and now we're moving into Luke 10. And it's like he gives them the same basic instructions, you know what I mean? He says, hey, the harvest is great. This one thing he says, he said, go your way. I send you out as lambs among wolves. I'd be like, uh, about, wait, what now? That'd be the one, that, like, wait a second. Maybe send us out like, like wolves. Bigger wolves than the bad wolves. That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, no, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. He gave them, again, power and authority. And he appointed 70 or 72, depending on your translation right there. There's a a, a mix, you know, whatever. Uh, Also, and he sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he was about to go. So he gives these people authority. What does that mean, by the way? These people, like I said, let's rewind that thought just for the thinkers. It's like, they don't have the, the, the... The indwelling, Pentecost hadn't happened yet, you know. This is just at his word, go as my ambassadors and preach that the kingdom's coming and demonstrate it. You know? Don't carry money, you know, heal the sick there and say to them that the kingdom of God has come. That's what he tells them. Heal the sick in verse nine and say the kingdom of God has come. So go demonstrate power and tell them this is a manifestation of the kingdom of God, which is coming. And it's like, okay, (laughs) can we do that? Well, no, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves, but I'm sending a bunch of people with you that you can't see, and they're going to help you. They're going to help you in this. Okay, so my my thoughts. Um, you know, there's something to recognize in Jesus. I'll, I'll, I'll backtrack since we we feel comfortable. But in Luke seven, Jesus said, I, I, "I say to you, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel." When he said that about the greatest faith he had ever seen, it was about a it was about a centurion in Luke seven, and the centurions. Um, a servant was very sick, and was, he was very dear to him, and he sent for Jesus. And, and he did a lot of things, and he built, the, built a synagogue for the Jews, and so he was deserving, they, they, they believed. And, and, and anyways, when Jesus was on his way, this is the guy that sent the messenger to Jesus and said, Hey, don't trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy that you should enter my roof, but just say the word and it'll be healed. And I always had trouble with that, like, yeah, you're bossing Jesus around, or like, manners. Maybe your servant's not that important to you, but Jesus said, this is the greatest face I've seen, and it's not even in Israel. And um, I didn't think you were even worthy to come in under my roof. He's like, but I'm, I'm a man under authority having soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another one, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does this. Like, you just say the word. And Jesus, is he, he, he's like spun by it. He's like, oh my God. I've never seen such great faith, in Israel. And I've always, I was always puzzled with that until I recognized that Jesus had been recognized by the centurion. You know, all you have to do, I know what it's like to have soldiers that are under me and I say something and they carry it out. And I know you're the same way. You know, he, he, he understood. Like Joshua and Joshua ran into Jesus out there in the book of Joshua. That was Jesus, the commander of the army of the Lord, Yahweh himself embodied. And he said, are you with us? Or are you with our enemies? He said, neither one, but as the commander of the angelic armies of the Lord, I've now come. That's who the centurion's clicking like this ain't, this ain't just a Jewish fellow. This is, this is somebody else. He's under the authority of God, but he actually has the authority to actually speak and send soldiers, as he says, to do his words. And it happens. Okay, this is me. These are some thoughts you can think about. But I have a lot of stories, all right, and some home runs. Now, listen, that sounded arrogant, but I don't mean it this way. I mean, I mean, like, I've seen it work. That's what I'm trying to say. And so what I'm saying is Jesus was giving these people authority and sending them out like, like lambs. It's, you're like lambs among wolves. It's like it's not that you're wolves now and you're supercharged, you know, Rottweilers or something like that. I'm still sending you as you truly are, you know what I'm saying, as innocent and pure, but this unseen kingdom that you're calling to, going to actually speak and to, re, and to release and to demonstrate the kingdom's going to be with you in what you're doing it's a different it's a different game it's a different game just some thoughts if it's in one ear and out the other it's okay but you know say la you know but anyhow so he sends these guys out and they do the same now this is what I kind of introdu- introduced uh, yeah, the, the message with, like the joy that is of the Lord, right? They come back, and this is that, that initial vision of Luke uh, tw- uh, 10, 21, when, when you rejoice in spirit. This is what we're coming to. When the 70 left and came back after some time, they, in verse 17, it says, the 70 returned to the Lord, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. In other words, like, Lord, like, he's like, I know I gave you authority to go and do these things, but in Luke, not, you know, in Luke 10, nine, it says, go, go heal the sick. It's like, it shows you they, they came after every bit of infirmity that was afflicting people, but they came back what they were fired about. It was like, man, a lot of that stuff was actually demonic. Yeah. You don't say, you know, but they returned saying, even the, even the demons were subject to us in your name. Like we came as your ambassadors and by being your ambassadors, there was authority to submit dark soldiers that were actually holding people as prisoners and tormenting them. You know what I mean? And it's like, great. To which Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. (laughs) You know what I mean? He's fired up, dude. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing's going to hurt you. Nothing will by any means hurt you. That's incredible. That's a word right there, man. Imagine that being the the message of your heart. I'm indestructible. (laughs) You know, these guys like, I've been sent to release the kingdom, which is light and love. And peace and wholeness. And this is a war. Yeah. And I'm indestructible. You can't talk like that. You know, maybe. Um, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents, cobras, scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Nothing's going to. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. It's like, man, here's something we think, you know. Well, you know, first you get saved, you've got to repent, you've got to be a sinner, then you become not a sinner, but you can still call yourself a sinner if you have bad theology. Then you get the Holy Spirit, then you have power, then you can do these things. It's just like, Jesus, these people are just following him around, he gave him the, them the authority. Just bang. Just go do it. as my representatives. You know. And understand that your name's. Are written in heaven. Just imagine, was he, was he concerned with them being redeemed with dying for their sins? Well, he was. that was in the bag. He had been crucified before the foundation of the earth, so he, he knew this was happening, but he was waking them up. And he was so fired up. People look at that as a rebuke, and that's just poor. It is not. He was, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It's like, wait, you're about 32, 33 years old, man. How'd you see that? You know? But it's like, listen, I know it's fun. It's exhilarating, isn't it? Welcome to the family business. He's so excited, a dad, that his kids, Nurse Beth, you know, story, you know, it's like, boom, you're actually experiencing the joy of the Lord in the family. We're stepping back up into your identity of those who are empowered. Covered by him is not even a question anymore. We're empowered as, it is, as ambassadors. We're not even looking at ourselves. The rivers of living water flow from us and we're in a covenant that's new where the the ghost of God actually resides in us, man. A lot of people don't believe these type of things, but but they never flex, and so they never experience what it's like. They never go pick a fight, and so they don't ever realize that they're an overcomer, that they're empowered by God. You know what I mean? They never even take a swing. Beth could have taken the easy way about, hey, a child died? Like, hey, that's a little much, Lord. That's uncomfortable. And just not took that swing. A lot of people never take a swing, and so they never know, like, "Oh my gosh, you're in me! Whoa, you you're you you flow through me!" I'm like, yeah, that's Christianity. My thing is, like, man, if you just take a swing, you'll realize, you know. See, self-focus destroys people, you know, and seeking our fulfillment in ourselves. What's my next move? What's my next destination? What's my, huh? How am I going to be happy in life? How am I going to da, da, da? But, but just like the woman at the well, who's, uh, you know, what Fatini said, he's like, hey, it's, it's not, you're on your fifth time, sixth time around trying to find fulfillment. It's like, there's rivers of living water. When you find your fulfillment in me, it'll actually flow out of you. You'll be filled by releasing something. I have food that you don't know about. Like, huh, to do the will of the kingdom. Like, what? Like, you mean you have, you give food and that's how you get fed? That don't make no sense. But heaven doesn't make sense to this world, but it works. But it works. In that hour, it says, Jesus rejoiced in spirit. This isn't oh, you know, oh, you know, great good, good job, guy. You know what I'm saying? This is an exuberant, twirling, violently not violent, and that's a that's a tough word for people. But I don't mean it that way. Um, right. s- super excited, swirl of rejoicing, like he just scored a touchdown. Yeah. You know what I mean? And imagine you're watching this movie from a distance and you just see a group of people out of the 70, maybe a dozen of them or a few of them, like they're all talking. Ah, they're all getting back to town around the same time. And you see them across the street over there on the porch of somebody's building, you know, talking to Jesus. And he's just like, oh, and he's doing that. And he's like, oh, and he's spinning around. They're like, dude, what's happening? And they're all ah, they're all like their body language is like, you're like, what's going on over there, man? <laughs> the joy of the Lord's going on. They're like, oh, my gosh, we're alive, baby. We did this. Ah, ha, ha. He's like, your names are in heaven written for this. Well, that's the Lamb's book of life. No, 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 no. Like, your names are in heaven for this. You were in me before the line of the Word. Like, this is your alive, baby. This is a family business. Your names existed there before here. You're, you're waking up to who you really are. Now your joy, it's not... Contingent on a destination or an accomplishment or a status or a financial gain, you know, it's like, or or even a relationship with a person. It's like, it's like, it's like you've, you've come and, and known me and because you've known me now, now I'm flowing through and you're coming alive. You're being fulfilled by fulfilling and by releasing something you were destined to release before the foundation of the earth. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is, you know, he's passionately spinning. And he's, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to the babies. All the scholars, all the students were trying to kill him. All the lawyers, they all hated him. You know, the study had the Torah memorized and all these things. And the babes who were just following him and that were immature and that were sometimes, you know, very character immature. His, very, his, his own 12 were manifesting things because they were actually walking in this life. It wasn't knowledge that was growing in them. It was his nature was coming in alignment with them and they were stepping into who they truly were. Not because of anything they knew or had done, because of who they were knowing and what He was saying, don't, yeah, somebody's, you know, if you're still hung up on that. Like, listen, see, in the new covenant, we have the indwelling of this same spirit within us. Is there an angelic presence? There? Is there an, yeah, is, is that very present in every single prophetic word, uh, dream, vision, um, trance, um, healing? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's you know, we can do that, but that's not what I'm trying to do, but there's always so much more. A lot of people don't see what's going on around them because they never even look. Just like a lot of people don't understand the power that's at the, within them because they never try to swing. When he says swing, you know, it's the same. A lot of people never really look around and see what all's there. The authority bestowed the agents of heaven that we're called to be that we're called to partner with to release his kingdom purposes on the earth. Yeah but it's just fun. But you've hidden these things. All things have been delivered to me by my father. And he says this, no one knows who the son is except the father and who the father is except the son and who the son wills to reveal him. He's fired up. He's super excited. He sent out 12. The king of the Jews was very much shaken. The king of the 12 tribes. He sends out the 70 and now the whole region's shaken principalities are starting to shake, the recovery of the nations, you know, Genesis 10, like this, this, the reversal of Babel, all this is starting to take place. And now with Herod trying to pin him down, I got to find this dude. I got to see who he is. Maybe he's, maybe he's John the Baptist coming back. Now he's reproduced the kids, the family. Now there's, what's that, 82 or 84 people that are going out doing the same things that he was doing. And now it's like, you're hearing it everywhere. And and, and he's rejoicing. Nobody knows who I really am. (laughs) That's so funny. Nobody knows who the Son is except for the Father. No one knows who the Father is except for the Son and who the Son chooses to reveal that secret to, the great mystery of who God is. It's like my identity is concealed. You know, heaven is being preached. The, The ball has started to roll, and now I can go, now there's even greater joy that's set before me, which is the cross. Which just sounds so backwards. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's Hebrews 12, right? For the joy that was set before me endured the cross. He despised the shame of it. He wasn't empowered. But he, he endured. It's like, now I can go and I can recover the entire world. You know? And, I, and nobody knows who I am. Right? Was it 1 Corinthians said that? 2 if the rulers of this world would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord. But it's like, now I am, my, I am so concealed that I, it's going to play right in the enemy's hand. They're going to have to kill me because we've started a movement. <laughs> you know what I mean? And in killing me, I'm going to recover every single one of you. And the joy of the Lord, the exuberance, actually took over him. And we just don't, you know, it's, it's just nuts. What did we speak about? And I think this was, this was incredibly beautiful, Luke 15, 5, when Jesus said, about the 99 sheep that didn't get lost, but the one that did. The shepherd goes and he finds the one and he actually puts it on his shoulder, you know? And he rejoices over it and he calls his friends and has a party when he gets home, you know? And here Jesus is, the the shepherd who rejoices over the cross that was gonna be laid upon his shoulder. We think he was in agony and he totally was, but he was gripping that thing and he was gripping every single one of our hearts saying, I got you, buddy. They've played right into my hands. I'm in agony. I'm in pain. I can barely carry this thing. I'm about to get strung up, tormented, and tortured. But you are so worth it, and I've got you. And as soon as I breathe my last breath, it'll be finished. And once it's finished, there's no going back. And that's the joy of God. The joy of God was to pour His self out completely for us and for us to wake up to who we truly are. It's the joy of the prodigal's dad throw him a party. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, he's back, baby. <laughs> the joy of uh, Matthew 13, 44. The treasure that's hidden in a field that no one recognizes, but we can recognize. And Jesus recognized us as that treasure. The joy that somebody found hidden in a field, went and sold everything he had, kept it secret and bought the field. That was Jesus. He kept it secret who he truly was. He revealed it to, to his kids by his nature. Because of the rulers of this world, whatever. He gave everything he had in order to purchase the entire field, which is us. The treasure in the field. All of the earth. All the world. Isn't that brilliant? <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's, it's, it is the joy of the Lord. Like, you are the joy of the Lord. You really are. His purpose, His intention for you, His design of you, the things which will cause you to come alive the absolute most, He's actually got in your destiny and your purpose and your calling. He's knitted those things into your innermost beings and meant for them to be fulfilled in Him and with Him. And it's the most brilliant thing ever. All we have to do is abandon everything else. And some people are like, oh, that's scary. It's like, no, listen, you know, look who we're talking about. Yeah. When you see him like this, then you realize like, yeah, I could trust. I would trust him. Yeah. He's not bipolar. Okay, cool. Yeah, I would trust him. Yeah, he's, he's actually good. Romans 14, 17 says, righteousness, peace and joy, joy in the Holy Spirit is the kingdom of heaven, which is our, which is our inheritance, but is also what we are the ambassadors of the righteousness and peace those two things right there being righteous because of what the son has done you know what i mean complete right standing with god and with our brothers and sisters because of the son the peace with our father god you know what i'm saying the pro, you know coming back and realizing oh my gosh put a ring on him Put you like oh my gosh i have peace i don't have to be afraid <laughs> you know of you you know And the joy that is in the Holy Spirit. Hey, there's your Trinity if you like those things. But, you know, it's like the joy, you know, it kind of breaks it down. But the joy that is in the Holy Spirit, the joy that is God within you, and the supernatural essence of the fruit of His Spirit being your essence, being your person everywhere you go. And that's the kingdom we're called to be ambassadors of. So back to the point, if I can circle back. Gosh, I can't believe I said circle back. If I can do that, though. The joy of the Lord, which is our strength, comes from realizing how valued and loved we truly are. You know? And that our steps in this life and, our, and, and all the things that we're called to even step into that'll, that'll even bring fulfillment, you know, is actually found in Him. And in releasing Him is what unlocks the doors to those steps. It's not running from something. It's actually, it's actually choosing to release God. In every situation, just like Platini, you know, just like, just like last week, just like learning to actually be present enough to be used by the Lord to give life everywhere we go causes us to come alive and causes our steps to be opened up. So I'll ask with, I'll end with a question like we do sometimes. I was going to say, what is it that makes you come alive? And that's decent, but I I like this version better. So this will be the question. But in, in that frame, where does the love of God flow from you? And that frames it a little or, you know, kind of words it a little bit better. Where does the love of God flow from you, which causes you to come alive? And when you can see that, and it's not like, yeah, you know, some, you, you, you catch the wording there. It's not like, man, it's when, I'm, when I'm the king of the hill and I, won the, and, and I beat everybody else up at the UFC fight or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, okay, well, sports are good. But, but what I'm saying is like, where does the love of God, when you feel that fulfillment by, by releasing the kingdom of heaven, in what way causes you to come alive, makes you excited, makes you want to scream and twirl around? where you're partnering with Him? Where does it flow from you? Is it when you get to give up an encouraging word to somebody? Is it when you get to encourage somebody? Is it when you've prayed for somebody and they've recovered from something, an injury, or you know, something like this? Is it, is it like, man, I love underdogs. I like to, to speak into people when they're in a certain place and watch them come into, you know what I'm saying? Like, like what is it, the love of God that flows from you? Outside of your five-year plan, your calling, purpose, destiny, all the things we want to do, our ministerial goals, if you have those, or business goals, and all those aren't necessarily bad, but where the love of God flows, being faithful to step in into that, causes the other things to open. And sometimes, just like (laughs) the disciples in Luke 9, the closer we get to them, the more those other things manifest. But they're not manifesting because we're going backwards and backsliding. They're manifesting because we're walking with a God who's a consuming fire. And in understanding, we can actually embrace the contrast in repentance, like step away from those old things and step into the newness of reality. They, those disciples, we look like they were being idiots, but they were actually, that's what maturity looks like. You know, Peter had another lesson coming not long after that, if you didn't know. So where does the love of God flow from you? And then I put do that. If you don't know where it flows from you or what makes you come alive, that's okay. I'd imagine some of the disciples didn't know until they were turned out of themselves and sent to release it to somebody else. There's a big key there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, man, what makes it come alive? Just hearing his voice, following him, listening to him. But like, yeah, you didn't know. They didn't know it was going to turn them out until they decided to be led of his voice and actually sweet, swing And then it was like, "Whoa, dude! This was awesome!" You know what I mean? Exhilaration. You know, we have His Spirit within us. You know what I mean? We have Jesus on the inside, Christ in us, in you. Is actually the hope of glory. It's this brilliant, incredible thing. So now we don't have to be sent by Him at a at a meeting, you know, or laid hands upon like He's on the inside. And to be sent by him is to hear his voice or whisper or his inspiration in any situation you find yourself in, in this life. So, seek opportunities to release heaven. And it will advance you spiritually. In your walk, in your understanding, in your spiritual growth, all those things. Being turned out of ourselves causes the growth of the kingdom. And I obviously have somewhat of an agenda because... You know, we want to transform a city and a region. And this is the biblical way it happened. Man, imagine if all of us had this mentality, though. Like, we're all undercover. None of us have a job. We all have jobs. You know, everyone has <laughs> vocations and things like this. But just like Beth's story, I'm not a nurse in this, in this story. I am a Jedi. You know, or whatever. <laughs> whatever you call it. I have a higher goal. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... It'll shake everything. It's already starting to kind of happen. But Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your joy and your goodness towards us and how much you truly and wholeheartedly love us and the intentions and plans you have for all of us, Lord. Let us to sync up with your heart and be the ambassadors of that joy everywhere we go by releasing heaven onto the earth. Amen.